This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. If they expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing, I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast for a special episode where we take a deep dive into the club's promotion to the Premier League and the kind of impact it has had on the local community and the, the impact it will continue to have. Joining me today in this special episode is Anka Desai, who is of the BBC Asian Network and host of the BBC Sounds mini series Luton Town, No Place Like Home mentioned there it's on bbc sounds already if you haven't please listen to it it's excellent it gives you a very very good picture of what um promotion has done within the british asian community i'm going to join anchor in a conversation in a minute so please enjoy please like subscribe on youtube and please share this around uh, this is completely different to, to what we've done before and it's Really exciting to be able to do something that's that's different like this. Without further ado, we'll dive into the conversation. So I'm now joined by Anka in his BBC studio, looking very, very good there. With the <laughs> lights fading and, and everything there. It looks a very, very nice setting for this. Uh, Anka, thank you very much for joining today. How are you getting on? I'm good. I was trying to find some colours to work with Luton, but I don't have any blue or like orange, which I can mix together. I've got a blue on its own. I've got a white. I've gone for the I've gone for the slightly purple colour, but I, I wish I had an orange. That would have been fitting. 
that was a very early purple kit i'm sure so um if mark can dig that out that that would be great right about now mark but anyway anchor thank you very much for joining today um we're obviously luton as a town luton as a football club a lot of progression has been made in the last sort of six months and obviously uh, after your your uh, podumentary um i think we called it the podumentary the uh, bbc sound luton town no place like home wanted to touch base and and hear your thoughts after making uh, the, the podumentary and and i guess touch on some of the stories that that we heard from that and i guess some of your own experiences as well so we'll take it back to the very start and you grew up very very close to kenilworth road what were your earliest memories of the club yeah, so it was a stone's throw away from where we used to live on uh, Warwick Road East, I think it was. And I remember just as a kid, just playing outside of my house, but on match days, um, having no space to play. Uh, so I'd want to play a bit of football, a bit of cricket, but then the streets would be flooded just with football supporters. And I was so young that my parents were probably just wondering, like, okay, don't get lost in the, the crowds of the football uh, matches, which would take place obviously on a Saturday afternoon or, or in an evening. And um, yeah, I just remember it being incredible that in and amongst where we used to live and, and walk to the shops, walk to the school, you'd have a football club and a football stadium just packed in the middle, like, you know, a sardine packed in the middle of, you know, a housing estate, which is crazy. But um, yeah, they were my earliest memories. And just on a Saturday afternoon, there was a goal, then you'd hear the cheer and the, the loud noise from the crowd. And you'd be curious to see like what's going on and, and, and whether Luton have won or not. Um, so yeah, there were some fond memories of just like randomly hearing a shout and thinking, okay, what's going on? When you first move to the area, you're thinking, hang on a minute, has something happened? Is there, is there, is there something kicking off? But it was just literally football supporters cheering a goal. So uh, yeah, they were, they were some of the earliest memories. And of course, promotion has, has gathered national attention on the football club and, and I guess the town as well. It's put the town in the spotlight. How important was it for you to share your story? Um, of course, we mentioned it at the start, no place like home. Um, you were at the forefront of it all. How important was it for you to, to take on this project and, and tell your story with, with the case studies and with the people that you, that you spoke to? Yeah, it was, it was super important for me personally to highlight the positive work that the town has done. Um, as a community to come together, uh, especially in recent months. But I remember a few weeks before the end of the season, I was talking to my bosses and I was like, do you know what? This, this Luton story is incredible. If they can get into the Premier League with all the challenges, incredible financial pressures that clubs have to try and get into the top flight. And for a club like Luton to have been decimated with points deductions and fines and go out of league football, for them to come back, I thought it was a, it was a hell of a story. And I felt like I've lived a lot of it but not quite as much as some of my friends who have grown up being diehard Luton Town supporters and I'd hear a lot about the club and the history of it through them and through their parents and after I moved away from Luton I still follow the club and 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 I'd always check in but in the national news even growing up as a kid and even up until recent years the town would just get a reputation where well it's a bit of a hole, isn't it? Because sometimes the newspapers, the mainstream media would just paint a negative light on it. Um, so whether it was like, oh, the worst place to live in Britain and Luton would be always near the top of those stupid ratings or whether people would focus on some of the, let's say, racial tensions and divisions would have, which have existed. It's not to deny that, but people would focus on that. And I, I was like, well, actually, no, I grew up in Luton. 
in an area where it was very multicultural. I actually then moved to an area which was um, less multicultural, but I was made to feel welcome. And I've got friends from different backgrounds and communities. And growing up, I had a great time growing up in Luton. So people need to know about that. And behind all of that and something that's underpinned all of that has been the football club and and and, and the rise of the football club from from where it was and and i feel as though that as well as the the people of luton have really helped build luton up to where it's at today as an aspirational motivational town where you, your dreams can come true and i, and I think that the, the football and the synergy between the the people of luton has really come come to the ball and the attention of not just the national media but the world's media and you mentioned there, it, you gave an intro to, to racial division in, uh, I think it was the second episode. And obviously, um, national media have picked up on on situations in the past that, that haven't been too favourable. But how can promotion to the Premier League, and I guess we've seen it in a brief form at the moment, the, the sort of, what is it now, five, six months since that was achieved. But how can promotion to the Premier League and, and this sort of cherished memory for all these different communities associated with the football club. How can that continue to bring community together? Well, do you know what? I think the last three to four years with everything that's happened from, with everything that's happened from COVID, followed into a pandemic, followed into lockdowns, followed into now like a cost of living crisis. We're seeing war across different parts of the world. Um, everybody's looking for some sort of positivity and hope. And that's what the football club's done. It's given hope to underdogs as well. I reckon it's given hope to other towns and clubs around the country. But for the people of Luton, it's made people think, well, hang on, we are, we are there on the biggest stage in in football. If you, if you look at it, the Premier League is the biggest league in the world and, and Luton are a part of it. And Luton have achieved that with this underdog spirit, which I feel is instilled in a lot of people from Luton's DNA. It's sort of something where we're... We're a, we we have we, whether you're born with it or whether you live in Luton, you feel as though you have that sort of DNA in your body. And I feel as though with everything that's happening in the world, a, a promotion like this and the boost it can do just to the morale, just to the energy of, of of the local community, there is is massive. But also, if you look at the investment it's going to hopefully bring to local businesses, um, young families who are probably thinking, actually, yeah, it's an aspirational place to live. And if you've got a business and you and you, and you want to really grow it, well, hopefully you can. Uh, and the, the club does that at the same time as well. And we, we see a period of success, not just on the pitch for Luton, but off the pitch in terms of some of the local areas where maybe now the local government gets more funding and there's going to be improvements in transport networks or maybe just social services, things like that. And 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 so therefore the people of Luton can think, actually, you know, this is a place where we can keep putting our roots down and, and, and building a life here. Um, because I don't see why if you've got good things going for you in a place like Luton, why you'd ever want to move away and why you'd be happy to see you and your fellow community just grow. And one, I guess, it, it was more of a shared view of, of everybody that you spoke to. And there was one one quote that I think summed up everything perfectly. It was not just a promotion for the football club, but for the town itself. And uh, I think that was just shared by by absolutely everybody that you spoke to. They don't just see it as... as the football club growing but it's a really positive um i guess uh, situation for the club uh, for the town to be in um and and you know the only way is up kind of feeling going on to one of the one of the people that you spoke to Kalish uh, Caravedra who's one of the investors 
in Luton Town Football Club, who, who lived out in California. One question I want to ask you about him was that he's had this, obviously, deep affection with the club, deep connection to the club, even when he has been away. What sort of brings people back to Luton? What what makes people want to still have connections in Luton and, and have a real deep attachment to the town um, yeah. as well as the football club? Yeah, a lot of love and nostalgia. Um, every time we talked about the club, every time we talked about match day experiences, he was, you could just tell that our conversation, he was transported back to when he was a young man, a young boy, going up to Kenny and just, just enjoying those Saturday afternoons and, and being with his mates. And, and at a time when I think Luton were probably pretty successful as well when he was watching them. But just, just the fact that he was a British Asian kid at the time who was able to go to the football where most British Asian kids' parents would probably say, naturally, don't go to the football. Football's a bit rough. Football's not really a place for people like ourselves, worried about hooliganism and, and, and things like that. And um, he said, no, actually, I, I used to love going to the football and I found it was a safe experience for me. And I think that's also reflected now in terms of why he wants to invest in the club and how he sees more Asian faces at the football, because I've had so many people on my programme who are Luton Town fans, growing up in Luton and sort of supporting, I don't know, a, a big London club like an Arsenal or a Tottenham or a Chelsea or something like that, or even one of the Northwest clubs like a Manchester United or a Liverpool. They're all grown up supporting Luton. They're all grown up following Luton up and down the country. And um, with Kayla, she was very much an epitome of that, that actually there are diverse communities in Luton who care deeply about the football club and, and, and care about Luton. When, you, when you've got a, an emotional attachment to a place like Luton, it, it very rarely goes. And I might have moved away from Luton, but my parents are still there. And I love going back to see my old friends and, and, and even people like my old barber and things like that. So it, it's just a sort of an affinity and an affection you have. And um, I think that came through a lot in in the pod where we talk to a lot of people and just they just simply love the place and they're, they're proud to come from Luton. And going on to somebody else you spoke to, um, somebody that, that we at Oak Road Hatter have also spoken to about the work that he does, uh, Mustak Koy's community ambassador for the club. He mentioned that the relationship between the club himself and I guess the, the deeper, wider community has only really blossomed in the last 15 years and that, that's coincided with Gary Sweet um, taking control of the club as CEO and, and the board being full of Lotonians. Do you think that's massively important as to why that that relationship has, has flourished the way it has? The fact that we've got uh, custodians of the club that are all, I guess, from Luton, love uh, the, the town and, and obviously love the football club. Do you think that's the, the major driving force? Yeah, I think I think that's been key. I mean, what what they did when they came into the club, Gary Sweet and the consortium with the likes of Nick Owen as well, who actually works about what a ten second walk away from the desk side that I work up in here uh, here in Birmingham. Um, what they did is they they tried to reestablish the club and they tried to connect with a community which had felt for so long that it had been ignored. So, you know, you've got a football stadium in a hotbed of a British Asian, British Muslim predominantly community um, where people are religious. Uh, they go to the mosque every week, yet they don't go to the football stadium, which is literally a stone's throw away. And they built a connection where it felt as though they really cared about the community there, um, which had probably been ignored for so many years. And so they started talking to people who um, are running the mosques, imams, religious leaders, 
speaking to people to make them feel that actually the Luton, sorry, to make them feel that the football club is a safe space for them as well and that they are welcomed and they started community projects, which Mushtag's been involved with, but also, you know, match day experiences where they were handing out free tickets to people from the local or some of the local schools, which are predominantly um, populated by British Asian students. So by engaging with the local community rather than ignoring them, that that was a massive positive. And, and building trust as well, because I reckon for so many years, maybe the, the community felt as though they couldn't really trust um, a football club that had never really reached out to them. So, so that sort of harmony and that connection has been established. And that's why you now see so many more people interested in the football club who, who don't come, um, who, who probably never used to come to football matches. You're now seeing that change and you're seeing the club working together with some of the local businesses as well. And I think when the football stadium moves away, I think they're still going to try and find a way to make sure that those businesses in that local area is still supported. And I think that's going to be super important. I think the local community have built a relationship with the club and so they can trust that the, the football club will make the right decisions going forward. That's a really interesting point you make about, obviously, Power Court, um, a very exciting project for, for Luton fans, but also I guess there's uh, an element of, maybe not fear, but an element of how are we going in to ensure that, that the the relationship between the, the club and the community can stay as strong as it is at the moment. Uh, obviously, moving away from, from Berry Park and, and sort of more central-based um, do you think that could be a struggle to, to maintain those links? Or do you think because of how the relationship's blossomed, the relationship has, has strengthened, do you think that, you know, you'd back the club to ensure that the community is still at the forefront? Yeah, I'd like to think that there are conversations which are already taking place. So hopefully that if there have been any fears or worries from the local community, that they've been able to raise them with the club and the club have been having conversations with them to, to suggest ways where they will continue to work together. So for example, if you're a local business in that area um, and you feel as though you might miss out on that match day revenue, then maybe there could be a possibility where the football club says, okay, by power court, we'll, we'll, we'll give you some bases, which you can come on match days. And so whatever business, whether it's food, drink, whatever it is, you can still be part of our match day experience and, 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 and have a store there or open up a shop nearby or something like that, you know, maybe at more, I don't know, favorable rates. I'm not, I'm not off the top of my head right now, but as long as those sort of conversations are happening with sometimes maybe the local chambers of commerce, the business leaders in the local area as well, as, as long as it's a fair and transparent process, then hopefully that will help. But uh, I think, you know, just, just by showing some loyalty to the local community, which they've shown to the club, I think will go a long way. I think, because it's been going well for so many years, hopefully it continues to do so in the future. Going on to something we spoke about just before we started recording, um, one of the things I found most powerful and, and one of the most moving stories, um, Imad Darwood and a former EDL member, uh, Darren Carroll. Imam uh, Darwood reached out to Darren, um, who obviously formerly of the, the EDL, uh, for a conversation, for a sit down to to talk through things, and it was the the start of a, a relationship between the two, a, a friendship, and and to this day they remain good friends. Um, uh, Darren's brought him to to Kenworth Road a few times as well, and I guess it's just a, a powerful example of how conversations like that, how actually mixing within the community can can bring about positive change. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Darren, I spoke to uh, a few years ago uh, when I was doing something else for another BBC network, and he talked about his journey um, and how he had started just learning more about himself, learning more about other cultures, communities, and and the fact that he was willing to welcome someone like Dawood, who, again, you would traditionally not expect someone like Dawood to have had an interest in football or felt welcome or safe at the football because for so many years some of the community tensions which had existed that there was talk of segregation within communities and and conversations like this have showed that actually those bridges have been built and for so long I think when there had been that fear of the other that that seems to have changed that greater education there's greater awareness that there are greater community partnerships which have grown and rather than thinking, oh, okay, we can't live side by side, we, well, we can actually live side by side in, in, in a harmonious manner. And going to the football and just going on a match day, having a curry, having a, having a, having a, I'd say a, a drink, uh, a non-alcoholic one as well. And and I think some of those, some of those, I suppose, values which have been respected um, from both sides as well. I think that that's really shown that actually conversations which probably would not have taken place 15, 20 years ago, started taking place where people are understanding more about each other's communities and doing it in a respectful manner. And the fact that you can see an imam on a match day at Luton Town um, wearing his traditional attire it, it is lovely. And and, hang, and, and, and seeing the, the conversation that they've got and the friendship they've got now it, it is a sign that despite some of the dark times Luton might have faced from a social perspective for so many years that that seems to be changing and has changed and that was a, a lovely example of that community cohesion and spirit which which was quite endearing actually yeah and the the last um i guess case study the last example uh, last person we'll, we'll talk about here because i don't want to give everything away i do want people to head to bbc sounds mm-hmm. and listen uh, to mm-hmm. themselves because there are some some wonderful stories wonderful um sort of eye-opening um stories like the one we've just spoken about but but making sure that promotion to the premier league is a lasting legacy is something you spoke about in in the last episode and um i think it's well documented that asian people are underrepresented in football um that's from the playing side to to uh, to the non-playing side as well i think that's something that that everybody can can agree on do you think that that Luton Town winning promotion to the Premier League, having the community ties it now does. Do you think that opens up a clearer pathway um, for for British Asians to to get involved in football, both as I said before, both from a playing and non playing side of things? Yeah, you'd like to think so. Um, there are some people in Luton um, doing some great work um, within the community. Uh, for example, Luton United, who we feature on the pod. Um, there are other football coaches who I know who are from Luton and, and, and working at other football clubs in other parts of the country. But so many of them I know think that actually Luton's promotion to the Premier League is an opportunity for them to, to work from home effectively. You can pretty much be working for a football club, whether you want to be a coach, whether you want to work an administrative role. But of course, the dream is to, to be a player for so many young kids. And if you think that actually, if you could get into the Luton Town Academy, you are literally one step away from playing Premier League football, playing top flight football, playing against the likes of Erling Haaland, Mo Salah, you know. Um, if you can make it at Luton Town, then you could potentially make it as a professional footballer in the Premier League with the eyeballs of the world on you. And a lot of people are now thinking, actually, yeah, rather than having to go to an academy 
which is in London or which is miles away in another part of the country, you could pretty much find that opportunity on your doorstep. And I think um, there are lots of people within the, the British Asian community in particular who are so passionate about football um, and they are working in football. And I think this is a, a massive opportunity for them to explore because for so long I grew up in Luton and played a lot of cricket. Um, and, and cricket was the sport for so many British Asians who were probably second generation or first generation. Now you're seeing third, fourth generation families now who love football more than they love cricket. So they, they want their kids to play a lot more football and, and maybe explore a career in football. And Luton Town can be a great platform, not just a stepping stone, but a great platform to, to build a career and a legacy. And I think a lot of people now will, will think, actually, yeah, this is a massive opportunity for me if I want to live my dream of playing football for a Premier League club. And going on to, to the playing side of things, obviously now nine games into to the Premier League, it's um, been a whirlwind so far. You were at the first game, you were at the first game at, at Brighton, um, obviously uh, conducting a few interviews there, but also enjoying the football. What did you make of that that occasion? Um, could you feel the kind of relief of, of Luton fans going through the emotional roller coaster that, that they've gone through? Did you sort of sense that relief and obvious obvious excitement in the air yeah sense of pride as well so much pride in where the club has got to uh for them to be playing um a premier league match for them to score in their opening premier league match which i thought was a great moment as well uh and, and the penalty was right in front of the luton town supporters who were making so much noise all afternoon um yeah th that was cool and then speaking to some of the fans on the way to the match on the way home as well um, just happy. I mean, I know they'd lost, but at the same time, just happy that this is going to be 38 games of Premier League football and back in the top flight where so many of the club supporters feel as though Luton belong. And I think optimism as well, because in that opening game, it was 2-1 with about 10 minutes to go. And they, they lost a bit of steam. And then subsequently watching some of the games since, it's not like they've been blown away and they've been competitive. Um, and then seeing them scrap and and pick up late points like the one uh, like the game against Forest, for example, they're showing a lot of character, and you feel as though they're actually learning very quickly on the job what it takes to be a Premier League footballer and Premier League club. And if they start picking up points around the clubs around them, then who knows? Because it doesn't seem as though there's a clear cut um, divide between some of the clubs that have come up and some of the clubs that exist in the Premier League at the moment as well that have existed for a little bit longer so I know people keep focusing on Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton but if one club can come out of that pack and that club is Luton and um, retain their Premier League status that would be some story I think. And then obviously I guess that the next major uh, development was the first home game um, Obviously, those living close to Kenilworth Road, I wonder if they, they felt that additional level of noise going up to the Premier League. I wonder if that's something uh, something that was actually there. Um, but but I guess since then, um, Luton have picked up a lot of points on the road. They've picked four of their five points up on the road. It was all this talk about Kenilworth Road and, and how unique it is. And it's actually gone the other way. So what, what do you make of um, Luton picking up points? away from home and not quite yet at Kenilworth Road. Maybe, maybe the, the players are feeling that pressure and expectation more at home because, like you said, everyone said, OK, this is quite a unique stadium, so how are clubs going to adapt to it? I mean, how are Luton adapting to it as well? Because you've got now a very different looking stadium on one side in particular because you've got all these extra broadcasters. You've also got, you know, 
so like that first home game, I just remember Jamie Carrigan, Gary Neville, literally walking through the back gardens of some of the the the, the residents there because everybody's just so uh, um, well, they they they're so um, in love with this story, this romantic story, and the stadium being where it is. It I think it bodes well actually if Luton can can pick up points away from home, which is such a hard thing to do in the Premier League. If they just start building, um, I don't know, building some results, get that first home win. I think that would be massive because I think the energy of the stadium and the people in town, I think, will be amazing. If if it's like a three o'clock game, and they picked up three points against a, a team who have a bit of a Premier League reputation, let's say not one of the teams around them, but but one of the let's say top ten teams, for example, can you just imagine that whole weekend? You know, that evening, the whole town will be buzzing, people will be going out, spending some money, going out for food, and 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 trying to sink a few pints, and then the whole weekend, it could just energize the town and, and and hopefully propel them and be a catalyst to pick up more points from home as well because i can imagine the noise at the kenny if they're if they're walking around after 90 minutes celebrating a win with the fans that'd be a special moment so um that could be the catalyst in springboard to really put some belief into the town as well to say actually we've taken points and a win off a top premier league team so who's to say we can't do that on a regular basis yeah and going back to, to your pod, when promotion to the Premier League was won, there was musical celebrations outside Kenilworth Road and in close proximity. Do you think that, that first win at Kenilworth Road, do you think we'll be seeing something similar? That'd be great, yeah. So we saw the door players, uh, you know, beating the drum, Bhangra dancing. I'd love to see that, yeah. I, th- I think you could see something similar, um, especially if it is one of those, um, if it's one of those wins against a really top club. Can you imagine if they knocked off a club like a Man United who are struggling a bit to be to, let's let's be honest they're they're um they're struggling to string results together but could, if they could pick off a really big scalp like that I think it would just make headlines wouldn't it Luton Town picking up uh, picking off uh, one of those sort of Champions League challenging teams I think that'd be pretty special so you'd see everyone dancing I think you'd see um the the music blaring from a lot of the houses in the local area as well yeah it'll be, it'll be a special moment that's for sure well, Anka, thank you very much for, for joining me today. Um, of course, as we mentioned at the very start, Luton Town, No Place Like Home is available now on BBC Sounds. Please check it out if you haven't already. Some of the stories we've touched on already, there are even more. It, it's just a very good representation of the, the community at Luton. And like me, I'm not actually from Luton myself. So a lot of these stories, a lot of what was said on the pod I'd never come across before and then I guess kind of surprised about so please check it out uh, from Luton or not from Luton it it makes you feel proud to be a part of this club Um, and I guess part of the community in the way that we all support this club and we all go to Luton on a very uh, very regular basis sorry but a big thank you Anchor and a big thank you to everyone that's tuned in to watching this today nice one The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference.
After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.